At this time, the Rohirrim were assailed from the west and the east, and their land was overrun, and they were driven into the dales of the White Mountains. In that year, 2758, the long winter began with cold and great snows out of the north and east, which lasted for almost five months. Helm of Rohan and both his sons perished in that war, and there was misery and death in Eriador and in Rohan. Rohan was slow to be healed of the hurts that it had received. Hey, 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 what's up? I'm Danny J. I'm Joel N. And this is Trevor D. And we are... Keep on Tolkien! Not bad for the first time. Hey! <laughs> yeah! No yeah. rehearsal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that yeah. one. How's everyone doing? Uh, yeah, we're back. We're back. Hello. Second half of season six. That's right. right. That's right. That's right. This is technically episode nine of season six, but this is episode 76 overall. Yes. For everyone who's keeping track. And we know you are. Some uh, announcements. Uh, As you may have noticed, Trevor is here. If you didn't listen to the previous holiday special, then I guess you don't know. I guess I don't blame you because we were very drunk. We were pretty pretty (laughs) drunk. If you started listening to that and you were like, I can't handle this, I I understand. It's okay. But uh, at that, during that holiday special... We announced that Trevor is going to be joining us full-time. He is no longer a guest. He is a full-fledged blood brother. Let it be known, episode 76, the era of Trevor begins. It's so far in, like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 76 episodes in. I mean, you've been on probably every season so far, so... That's true. I've been around for the whole thing. Just you have. participated here and there. the very beginning. Yeah. Also, uh, don't forget to check out our merch on the merch store. Please do. Keep-on-token-podcast.tmail.com. Check it out. We design a lot of that ourselves. Yes, we do. And our friends, you can yeah. probably tell. But we love it. <laughs> yeah, it's cool shit, guys. Check it out. Uh, there's not just t-shirts. There's other stuff, too. Stickers, tote bags. Yeah, all yeah. kinds of fun stuff. Go get them. I love wearing my shafted shirt. Just saying. Trevor's shafted, shafted shirt, the one he designed, he also wears it. It's fucking awesome. You wore it to... Uh, the convention yeah i wore it to the convention yeah I, I wore it to a concert i went to like yeah i just it's want people to see how cool it is it's a pretty snazzy shafted shirt you're gonna get somebody to mention something about it sometime yes yes and then i get to go with a whole spiel yeah because hopefully they'll just recognize those some of those names you know they'll be, be like, like wait a minute yeah i know who that is yeah it'll be a conversation starter maybe you'll even meet a lady <laughs> oh <laughs> oh the world is a small place it could work yeah it could work She's like, look at this good-looking guy wearing a T-shirt about Tolkien. I'm gonna talk to him, and then I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, because that's exactly how it works. <laughs> that's how it works in real life, right? That's exactly how it works. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, for today's episode 76, yeah, yeah. we're gonna be talking about the fell winters of Middle Earth. Yeah, and this is a fun topic. Uh, it, it sprawled out from a smaller topic and became yeah, a little yeah. bit, a little bit bigger. And yeah. we realize it's. Uh, rather an appropriate time at least for us anyway because we're still at the time of recording we're about midway through february here yeah which is still very much winter for very us. much winter yeah i know some people call that spring and i'm like where the fuck are you from nope 
Yeah. And I'm, I'm still that crazy guy who will wear shorts anyway. Yeah. 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 He's wearing shorts today and it's like, what, like 20 degrees outside? 19 degrees. Yeah. Uh, 19 no, degrees. it's uh, 14 degrees right now. Nice. Hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Shorts and a sweater. Classic. I thought that was true Minnesotan way. That's pretty classic Midwestern. Yeah. 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 So the fell winters, that's the, that's what we're talking about today. So uh, what do we mean when we say fell winters of Middle Earth? Basically, we're just talking about the winter season in Middle Earth. We're going to be talking about any particular winter that was extremely cold or long lasting or particularly miserable. Because it turns out there were a few. So yeah, we have uh, one in particular here in Minnesota that they talk about all the time. Oh, yeah, in Minnesota, yeah, there was a pretty fell winter here. In uh, 1991, that was the year we were born, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, They called it the Great Halloween Blizzard of 1991. Yeah, that was a pretty crazy blizzard. So that was, (laughs) that's what comes to our mind anytime we think of like, yeah, everyone still talks about it. Everybody talks about it. Everyone knows what you're talking about when you say the Halloween Blizzard of 91. Yeah, so that's when we got over 28 inches in the Twin Cities area in a day. In a day, dude. That's a whole season's worth of snow in a day. Oh, actually, I should say it was a couple days. But it, uh, three days, it was right? a, it yeah. was like a it was like a three day blizzard, and it dropped twenty eight inches, and it was insanely windy, and uh, it's probably the uh, largest and longest lasting blizzard in the state's history. Yeah, Trevor was safe in Iowa. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they got dumped on too. Somehow. No, I'm sure yeah. it was pretty bad there too. Yeah, yeah. The biggest blizzard, like for me, within memory, was probably the 2007 one. Yeah, uh, that's when we got like 20 inches of snow and some really high winds. That one sucked. Isn't that the year that uh, I think I remember there was a blizzard when we went to see uh, what was it, Black Swan? Remember over in Uptown? Oh yeah, and it started fucking blizzarding like in the middle of the show we came out to like a blizzard yeah that was wild that was pretty wild that was in 2007 too i think and maybe not maybe i'm thinking of something else but i'm not sure you know what joel i think i remember this uh this particular 2007 storm that you're talking about oh yeah yeah because uh there's a halo dlc (laughs) that had come out and i was so excited because school got canceled that day oh Oh, hell yeah (laughs) so i got to play it all day oh hell yeah that's perfect that's an awesome story (laughs) Hell yeah, snow day. Snow days, yeah, which uh, it's we were just talking about how they never cancel anything in Minnesota. Yeah, they just expect you to go. And we're as soon as hardcore. people start crashing or dying, then they're like, okay, maybe. Yeah, we maybe. It's usually like only when the roads are glare ice will they stop things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At, at most, you get a two-hour delay, right? Yeah, we're starting at 9 a.m. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah like We're not going to cancel school, just late start. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, honestly, it's a public health. I, I that's one of the things I don't like about Minnesota. They they should cancel things sooner. You think so? Yeah, it's dangerous. Yeah, I think that's fair. Well, that's my spiel. Cancel school. Yeah, give give those kids some more snow days. Although, unfortunately, in Middle Earth, when they have a fell winter, they don't get comfortable snow days. No, people just die. They're out on their ass. Yeah. So. Let's talk, let's talk about some of the seasons in Middle Earth. Well, first, let's uh, touch on these fell winters. We're going to be talking oh, yes. about three in particular. First is, w- this whole episode started as the long winter, because I think a lot of people will recognize the long winter. It's mentioned a couple times, I think, in the Lord of the Rings proper. But when we looked into it, it turns out there were actually a few. There was a fell winter in the first stage. There was a long winter in the third age, and then there was another fell winter in the third age that happened a a few hundred years after the the long winter. The long winter, right. So there's a few of these. Yeah. So we're going to touch on these. Yeah. These three main uh, shitty winters. I'm noticing that there aren't any during the second age. No. I guess the second age was a relatively pleasant time season-wise. 
Hmm. Why not? Right. Yeah. No crazy winters. Third Age had Third Age had two crazy winters. So. The bliss of Numenor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the bliss of <laughs> so yeah. So if we're going to be talking about the season of winter in Middle Earth, let's just kind of touch on the seasons first of all, because winter is only one of multiple seasons in this world. So let's kind of touch on how things happen here. Yeah. So the climate of Middle Earth is supposed to be similar to that of Western Europe and North Africa. Yeah, and so that climate, in case you're wondering, the climate of Europe, in Western Europe, the summers are generally short and comfortable, and the winters are generally long, pretty cold, and pretty windy. And it's uh, generally partly cloudy in this area of the world all year round, and over the course of a year in the western part of Europe, temperatures for this region can typically vary from about 23 degrees Fahrenheit to 90 degrees, like daily highs. And uh, for those... In metric, that would be a negative 5 Celsius, about 32 Celsius range. Dang. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Celsius makes no sense to me, but that's fine. No, it actually makes perfect sense, because it's based on water, right? Yeah. I feel like it makes <laughs> so, more sense, right? Because zero is freezing zero for water. Is freezing, yeah. Right. Our system doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, it does not, guys. You are all right, you metric people. So Middle Earth generally has the uh, full range of seasons that you would see in Europe as well, the spring, summer, fall, and winter. And the seasons is measured in the north of Middle Earth, including the Shire. Uh, so winter would be like November 1st to February 30th. Uh, spring would be March to the end of May. Summer being June and July. And then uh, you've got autumn coming in from August to the end of October. Nice. Yeah. Um, and they all have 30 days, remember? Numenorean yeah. months all have 30 days, 30 guys. day months. Very in- nice. Including clean, fucking February. Precise. Even everything makes sense. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, isn't so, that nice? Yeah, so that's kind of how the seasons are measured in the northern part of Middle Earth. Down in Gondor, the way the stewards of Gondor reckoned things, their seasons were pretty similar. 30-day months and right around the same times of the year for winter, spring, summer, and autumn. However, when Aragorn took over, they started a new reckoning in Gondor, they call it, and they essentially changed where the year starts. Originally, right. the year starts at the beginning of winter and ends at the end of autumn. When Aragorn came into power, he changed so the year starts at the beginning of spring and ends at the end of winter, kind of the way we know it. I think that makes more sense. Yeah, but uh, while uh, doing some looking into some uh, information for this episode, we came across the elven seasons, which I thought were particularly cool. I really like the way they do things. So the elves don't have four seasons. They actually measure six seasons. So I'm going to read, just because I like reading fucking Quenya, I'm going to read these names to you in Quenya and tell you how long they are. So spring is Tuile, and that's 54 days long. Summer is Laire, and that's 72 days long. Autumn is Yavaye, and that's 54 days long again. And then there's Kuile, which is 54 days long. That's the fading. And that is somewhere in uh, in between winter and summer. Or, excuse me, between fall and winter. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we have winter, which is Hrive, I believe. And that's 72 days long. And then we have the stirring, which is between winter and spring. It's another uh, little sub-holiday, or uh, sub-season, excuse me. Uh, and that one, the stirring, is Kawaire, and it's 54 days long. They're all very evenly spaced. Yeah, if you add all those up, that's exactly 360 days. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Yeah, so I, I just kind of thought it was cool that they incorporated those like transitional seasons, fading and stirring. Yeah, and that's something Minnesota definitely has. Like we have yeah. two springs, me and Joel always talk about here. There's brown spring and then there's green spring. Right. Brown spring is when all the snow melts and everything is fucking muddy. It's gross. It's dead. It's brown. Yeah. And then things start to grow and you get green spring for yeah. about two weeks before fucking <laughs> yeah, before yeah, very summer short. starts. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really like that they included the fading. Yeah. That, that in between area between fall and winter when everything's dead there's no more like no more leaves on the trees it's just dead and cold but it's not quite snowy yet i feel mm. like we kind of get that here too yeah like because yeah. as oh, soon yeah, as definitely. the leaves turn color the next week they're gone like yeah. i swear yeah 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 we actually have that like what do they call like the peak fall colors and then the falling of the leaves right because fall as we know it like with the fall colors really only lasts a couple weeks if here, that yeah if that yeah yeah so that i it really makes sense to me as soon as i saw that i was like fading and stirring the i i had never seen those before but i know exactly what that means that yeah. makes sense to me totally 100 percent. elves are on top of it yo hell yeah i love it i love it once uh trevor why don't you read us this fun fact here yeah, I thought this was really cool that uh, Valinor does not experience winter. Uh, yeah, but Hell it, yeah. It, it did actually have seasons of some kind. Yeah, they they didn't have winter as we know it. Like there definitely wasn't any cold and snow. But yeah, there there were seasons of a sort. So we've got an excerpt here for you guys about this from the Silmarillion, Chapter Eight: The Darkening of Valinor. Now it was a time of festival, as Melkor knew well. Though all tides and seasons were at the will of the Valar, and in Valinor there was no winter of death, nonetheless they dwelt then in the kingdom of Arda, and that was but a small realm in the halls of Ea, whose life is time, which flows ever from the first note to the last chord of Eru. And even as it was then the delight of the Valar, as is told in the Anyalindale, to clothe themselves as in a vestiture in the forms of the children of Ilavatar. So also did they eat and drink and gather the fruits of Yavanna from the earth, which under Eru they had made. Therefore Yavanna set times for the flowering and the ripening of all things that grew in Valinor. And at each first gathering of the fruits, Manwe made a high feast for the praising of Eru, when all the peoples of Valinor poured forth their joy in music and song upon Teniquetil. Beautiful. It sounds kind of like harvest season. Yeah, it seems like there's pretty much, what, two harvests in the, in the year, right? It seems like they're saying. Yeah, it seems like a beautiful place to live. No, no hard winter, but you still get some seasons and some bountiful harvests. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I wonder if, the, uh, if there's a temperature difference or if, um, if things just kind of like have a change in color. That would also know. be cool. I bet. Yeah. Well, because you wouldn't want unpleasant weather, right? Right. Right. In 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 Valinor, so I assume it's more the the days getting shorter than uh, the temperature. I wonder. Does do you think it rains there? If they wanted to, huh. I imagine it must for things to grow. Yeah. Well, you'd think, but but if it's uh, if it's you know it's, it's Valinor, gentle, right? Gentle sun I showers. Guess. I don't know, man. There's Maybe the magic sun is and enough. shit over there. I don't know how they grow their shit. Right. The, the light of the trees. Look, maybe we should look into that. I say it's just gentle sun showers that irrigate the soil. <laughs> sun yeah. is, the it's sun is never, enough. Always yeah. absolutely fucking scenic. And well, it's beautiful. always gorgeous. Yeah, like yeah. It, it never rains violently, but it rains <laughs> enough to water the soil. Like like sure. the like a beautiful morning mist, right? Yeah. With like rainbows yeah, and why shit. Not? Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. I could see that. 
Yeah, so in general, uh, Middle Earth, there's, they get all four seasons, and their seasons and climate are pretty comparable to Western Europe and Northern Africa, uh, all except for Valinor, who doesn't experience winter. Exactly. So on that note, let's get into these uh, three different fell winters that we're going to be talking about. So the very first one is going to be titled, it's called The Fell Winter of the First Age, and it happens in the year 495 of the First Age. And this winter was particularly long and bitter with ice and snow from November to March. And when me and Danny first saw that, we were like, that just sounds... November to March, that sounds familiar. Yeah, that sounds just kind of like a normal winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Shit you not, guys. So honestly, we're going we're gonna to be very real with you, and we're not stretching this at all. It's going to sound like we're making this up. Winter, sometimes here, goes from October to fucking May. Shit you not. Like, yeah. my birthday is in mid-April, mm-hmm. and I often have snow on my friggin' birthday. Yep. The Midwest is a crazy-ass place to live. So the first fell winter we're going to talk about, first age, year 495, November to March, and uh, this fell winter came immediately after the fall of the kingdom of Nargothrond, and it hindered both Turin's journey to the land of Dor Loman. Uh, you'll remember that from the story of Turin Turinbar. And it also hindered the journey of to war to Gondolin. By the year 495, most of the lands north of Beleriand had fallen under the power of Morgoth and his forces. And so later in this year, the dragon Glaurung traveled south from Angband to attack the kingdom of Nargothrond one of the last few elf kingdoms to remain standing against Morgoth. And as you'll remember, Nargothrond was sacked, and uh, as the few survivors scattered into the wild, the fell winter descended on Beleriand. And I was thinking, uh, we were talking about earlier, how there's all this like dragon activity right before the, uh, the long, or excuse me, the fell winter, correct? Yeah, the fell winter. The fell winter of 495. We were thinking that maybe this might be a nuclear winter little deal, like a lot yeah. of smoke in the air. Mm-hmm. Nuclear. Nuclear winter. So for, for people who don't know, nuclear winter is a term when enough particulate matter gets, or smoke gets in the air, it blocks the sun and makes it cold and dark. So like we think that maybe the smoke in the air from the dragon activity may have caused this winter to be uh, extra shitty. Yeah, this is also during a time of the first age in Beleriand where Morgoth's power was waxing. Oh, yeah. So we were discussing earlier, like, maybe, even if it... It probably had something to do with Morgoth. I mean, that guy was known for creating plagues and Mm -hmm. plumes of of dark clouds that cover countrysides. Like, it seems feasible that he might be able to affect the winter, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yes, we think... We put... Here at KFT, we think that the fell winter of the first age was largely caused or brought about somehow by the power of Morgoth. Oh, yeah. Whether that be through Glaurung or other means. Or other means. Well, I suppose if it but was... But I'm sure there was a lot of smoke in the going into the air from all the burning forests. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of ash combined with that snow to, yeah. to really coat the ground. Yeah, so the winter of that year lasted for five bitter months across all the northern lands, and almost all the rivers of those regions froze over, except Syrian, because that was, that was the big one. That was the big river. Yeah, you know in uh, in Minnesota too, like when the Mississippi freezes all the way over, if it ever does, you know it's cold as shit. I think it freezes over almost every year. At least when I would go over the Lafayette well, Bridge, it was always frozen over. I should say like frozen enough where you can like walk on it. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it, it rarely freezes all the way. And neither does Syrian, you guys. No, it's a big old, big old river. 
So there are two tales in particular during the first stage that were affected by this fell winter. I think we just mentioned them a little bit earlier. The tale of Turin Turinbar and the tale of Tuor Eladar. So let's let's talk about these two a little bit and what happened to them during this winter. Yeah, why don't you give us a little bit of uh, info on Turin Turinbar, Trevor? Turin Turinbar was one of the survivors of the sacking of Nargothrond. Uh, and after, he had fled to the northern land of Hithlum, seeking his mother and sister. Uh, during his journey north, his conscience had tortured him uh, for not seeking out Finn Dwilis, who had been entrusted to Turin's care, uh, but had been taken by orcs. Yeah, he was fucking tortured. I think part of the reason he was, he was doing this was because he was sort of under a spell from Galarung, too. Yeah, not really fair. Yeah, he was crazed. He was crazed. So we've got an excerpt here from the Silmarillion, chapter 21 of Turin Turinbar. And Turin hastened along the ways to the north, through the lands now desolate between Narag and Teglin, and the fell winter came down to meet him. For in that year snow fell ere autumn was past, and spring came late and cold. Ever it seemed to him, as he went, that he heard the cries of Fenduelis, calling his name by wood and hill, and great was his anguish. But his heart being hot with the lies of Glaurung, and seeing ever in his mind the orcs burning the house of Hurin, or putting Morwen and Neonor to torment, he held on his way and turned never aside. The determination yeah. of Turin Turinbar is you almost don't wanna, unmatched. Yeah, you don't want to stand in that dude's way. He literally had like the whole world against him all the time. Yeah, and still did some pretty fucking did cool some crazy shit. shit. I should say the whole world against him all the time. Well, had Morgoth at least. He had, he, had, <laughs> yeah, he had Morgoth against him the whole time, which was yeah. a lot. Anyway. You remember what he does here? And not to get too much into Turin. He's my favorite character, obviously. If you can yeah. listen to the podcast, you know that. What does he do when he gets to Hithlum? He starts an uprising. He starts a fucking uprising, and he he like breaks Broda on his knee. Remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he banes. Yeah. He, he does the Batman bane thing. Yeah. Where he breaks his back on his over his leg, and he yeah. fucking throws him across. He like a fucking ragdoll yeah, throws like, his body across the room. But anyway, yeah, he uh, Turin fucks that dude up when he gets there. But after a journey of forty leagues, Turin found that his mother and sister were not where he thought, and he returned south to the snow covered mountains in the Vales of Sirion. Yeah, they weren't even there when he got there. Yeah, which is part of the reason he freaked out, but... Part of it, yeah. Yeah, so he goes south and uh, goes down into the warmer lands near Sirion, and there is where Turin settles with the woodmen from the forest of Brethil and just uh, waits out the winter there. Yeah, with Brandir the Lame. Yeah, he ends up living there, actually, for quite some time. Yeah, and uh, to hear more about Brandy the Lame and the Forest of Breath Hill people, Turin Turinbar, episode 11 and 12, character profile. Check Hell it out. Hell yeah. So we also, at KOT, as you guys know, we love throwing in as many uh, excerpts of the text as we can during our episodes, so we thought this would be an appropriate time to just you know, nudge in one of the lays uh, from the lays of Balerion. Y'all are about to get laid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're all going to get laid. Here we go, guys. Yeah. This is from the Lays of Balerion, the Lay of the Children of Hurin. Winter comes to Nargothrond. The summer slowly in the sad forest waned and faded in the west arose. Winds that wandered over warring seas. Leaves are loosened from laboring boughs. Follow gold they fell and the feet buried of trees standing tall and naked, rustling restlessly down roofless aisles, shifting and drifting 
the shining vessel of the sailing moon with slender mass, with shrouds shapen of shimmering flame, uprose ruddy on the rim of evening by the misty wharves on the margin of the world, with the winding horns winter hunted in the weeping woods wild and ruthless. Sleep came slashing and slanting hail from glowering heaven gray and sunless. Whistling whiplash whirled by tempest. The floods were freed in fallow waters. Sweeping seaward, swollen angry, filled the floatsome, foaming, turbid. Passed in tumult. The tempest died. Frost descended from the mountains. Steel cold and still. Stony glinting. Ice-hung evening was open wide. A dome of crystal over deep silence, over windless wastes and woods standing as frozen phantoms under flickering stars. God, I love that so much. I, you know why I love this so much? Because it uses alliterations a shit ton. Yeah. That and that's one of my favorite literary yeah. devices. In, in the English language, alliterations are when you have similar sounds right so like mm. flood freed and fallow waters yeah, sweeping usually, seaward swollen it's usually when words start with this with the same uh sound sound right yeah. like peter parker so like not necessarily the same yeah. letter there's one in here that's phantoms and flickering stars yeah same sound different letters ph versus an f stupid english stupid english <laughs> Yeah, it's all our foreign fans that can actually understand what we're saying right now. And a lot of you can. We know that. Uh, how did you learn this language? Yeah. Like, it, it's Isn't it one of the, the messiest languages to try to learn, too? It's the most bastardized language in the modern era, I think. It doesn't even follow its own rules. No. Can I just Can I just say that I love the sort of, like, picture this whole thing paints? Yeah. Just, it it kind of gives you, like, a, a nice start at the end of summer... And um, I just like how it takes you through like each sort of like as winter descends, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. so good. It takes you through the fading from mm -hmm. autumn through the fading into winter. Mm -hmm. there, there it is. Elves knew how to tell seasons, man. Yeah, dude. Okay, so Tour and Tour and Bar, that kind of wraps up our Tour and section. So let's talk next about his cousin. Tour Eladar. He was also affected a lot by this fell winter in the first age. In the months before the winter, uh, unknown to Turin, his cousin Tuor had escaped out of Hithlum and reached the abandoned kingdom of Vinyamar by the shores of the Great Sea. It was there that he spoke with Valar Ulmo and met a shipwreck elf of Gondolin named Varanwe. Yeah, Varanwe agreed to guide Tuor from Vinyamar, the wrecked kingdom, back to the hidden city of Gondolin to deliver Ulmo's message to Turgon. Yeah, and as Tuor and Varanwe traveled eastward towards Gondolin, this is when they encountered the fell winter. And uh, we've got a excerpt here from the Silmarillion chapter 23 of Tuor and the Fall of Gondolin. Varanwe was filled with wonder and did not refuse Tuor his guidance to the hidden door of Gondolin. Therefore, they set out together from that place, and as the fell winter of that year came down upon them out of the north... They went warily eastward under the eaves of the Mountains of Shadow. There's a, there's a longer version of this story out there. I think it's in the Unfinished Tales. Yeah, the coming of Tuor to Gondolin. Yeah, yep, that's an and they, there's a little more details about this leg of the journey eastward, and it seems just fucking miserable. 
just awful. They're always hiding from orcs because this is when Morgoth's well, he had just power escaped. was everywhere. Yeah, and he had just escaped from slavery. Yeah, he had just escaped yeah. slavery. So he's a slave <laughs> he's on a the run. He's a fugitive slave. Yeah. In the middle of winter with uh, with his elf friend, and they're hiding from orcs all the time. It seemed just awful. Yeah, really shitty time. So on their way to Gondolin, Tuor and Varanwe stopped by the springs of Ivrin. Now, normally this is a very beautiful place, but unfortunately, uh, at this time, it had been defiled and ruined by the by the dragon Glaurung. But they still stopped to see what they could see and, and get some rest. Is this the same place that Tour stops at when he's crazed and he kind of comes to himself? I think it is, right? It it might have been. You mean after he uh, after he kills Beleg? After he kills Beleg? Yeah. Remember, he goes into a. Yeah, a, I think you're right. I think, I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. This is b- before the springs were defiled. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He, that he he was so traumatized by the event that he came to the springs and they allowed him to release all of his pent up feelings. Yeah, and he was and able to he, heal that way. Yeah, came back to himself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So now those springs are defiled, and uh, while Tuor is there uh, at Tuor and Varonwe, they're just sitting there resting, and across the way on the other side of the frozen springs, they see a man, a dude, a man running north, a man dressed in black. Yeah. Little did they know, but that man was actually Tuor's cousin, Turin Turinbar. So this is a big dude with a black sword, mm-hmm. and he looks very determined. Very upset. Yeah. But the cousins, they had uh, never met, and they do not know each other, and they never do know each other. Nope. And they pass by without speaking. Yep. They, they just essentially just see a guy running up north, and like, oh, that's weird. Two of the greatest heroes. Two of the greatest heroes live. and their family. Mm-hmm. And they never say anything to each other never meet each other yeah it's awful yeah and we got uh of course we got an excerpt from the silmarillion chapter 23 of the of tour in the fall of gondolin and uh treb's gonna read that for us at length they came in their journeying to the pools of ivrin and looked with grief on the defilement wrought there by the passage of glaurung the dragon but even as they gazed upon it they saw one going northward in haste and he was a tall man clad in black, and bearing a black sword. But they knew not who he was, nor anything of what had befallen in the south. And he passed them by, and they said no word. So cool, but so sad. Mm-hmm. Imagine if those two had teamed up. Yeah. What they could have accomplished well, together. I think last time we talked about this, we decided that it would have been bad because it would have fucked up. <laughs> oh, I suppose. Tour's life. Because Tour has to go on and do some very important things. Yeah, and all he's the, bad the star luck, of High Hope. <laughs> all yeah. the bad luck that follows Tour and Tour and Bar would have probably just ruined everything. Yeah. Not that it's not that it's Turin's fault. It's really not. Oh no, Turin's a good guy. No, he's a little prideful, but yeah, he, I mean, who isn't? Yeah, you know? Every human has a little bit of pride. I think that's one of the downfalls of man. Yeah, but, it might uh, have been interesting if they had at least like uh, broken bread with each other or something. Just yeah. like yeah, like, stop and have a meal, talk a little bit, end up going on your way, still not knowing. That would have been kind of cool. Like not not even like introducing each other because they're like out in the wilds, just kind of like being all sneaky yeah. ranger like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can we can fantasize. But yeah, we can talk about Tour and the Tour and all day. But if you want to hear more about Tour, see episode thirteen, Tour Eladar character profile. Hell yeah! But that's about uh, all we've got for you on the uh, first fell winter of the first age. So let's jump to the long winter. I think this is the one that most people kind of recognize by name. Mm-hmm. So the long winter was an extremely cold and long-lasting winter, uh, covering Eriador and Dunland and Rohan. And it, too, lasted five months from November to March. 
It's pretty typical in Minnesota. Pretty pretty typical around here, but uh, I guess in this region, it's odd. It's odd. Yeah, of course, it brought bitter cold and great snow uh, from north uh, and the east. Uh, there's misery and death in Eriador and Rohan, uh, but it had less of an effect on the region of Gondor towards the south. Warm ass Gondor. Gondor didn't uh, back when we were talking about Gondor in our Gondor episode. I think we did, said that it. Uh, I think we did, we found that it has supposed to have the climate of uh, Venice. Venice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least Minas Tirith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that sounds pretty nice. Is that is that never snow? It's a little bit warmer. Yeah, like it snows in the mountains and oh, in okay. the nor- in the northern part of Gondor. But like, yeah, down south, that you're not gonna really get snow. So uh, these regions, Eriador and Rohan, were the, were kind of the regions greatly affected by this long winter. So let's start by talking about Rohan. Yeah, Rohan was under snow for five months, with both the Rohirrim and their current enemies, the Dunlendings, suffering grievously from the famine. This is a, a kind of fun side bit from this story. <laughs> when we were doing the outline, going over the outline, Joel ha- has written this episode, and it said the current invaders, the Dunlendings. And That's I looked right. at Joel, and I was like, how are you going to call the Dunlings invaders? And he's like, yeah, they're invaders. And I was like, they're indigenous, dude. Like, the, the Ro- yep. Rohirrim stole their land. It's true. Well, technically, Gondor stole their land and yeah. then gave it to the Rohirrim. The Numenorians but... did steal the land first. <laughs> you're right. It's true. Yeah. But no, no, it's you're totally true. They they are. The, the Dunlinings are technically the good guys fighting for their land. Yeah. So we after after Danny brought that up, it's in, totally true. And so we we revised. <laughs> we revised it to current revised, enemies. Current enemies. Current enemies, not invaders, enemies. If anything, they're insurgents, <laughs> right, I guess? <laughs> I suppose. You could see it like that. Yeah. I love how these episodes develop, guys. Yeah, so much fun. All right. So during all of this snow, uh, King Helm took refuge in Hornburg and the ravine behind. At Yule, a great council was held. And against the king's advice, Hama, which we all love Hama, Helm's younger son went out in a sortie and was lost in the snow. Yeah, it's a fucking crazy winter, guys. Yeah, this is actually a different Hama, though. He's named after this dude. Oh. Yeah, good, good man Hama good is, man Hama's a different is name. named after this guy, yeah. That makes sense. I remember what year it is. They love to recycle names. Yeah, because they're, uh, they're both the house of Errol. I believe so. Yeah. Um, so after the loss of his son, King Helm got just very grim and upset and he took to going out and slaying his enemies with his bare hands with his bare fucking hands with you guys hands. no big deal that's just what this dude does and we talked about this a little more extensively in uh unsung heroes yeah rohan but we said uh, remember how weird it would be if george w bush did this remember just went and snuck into people's camps and killed them at night <laughs> that was <laughs> if the, if, the, if one of our leaders. Yeah, that's how weird it would be, guys. Yeah, it, it was it was crazy. So King Helm would, at night, he would blow his great horn, which would strike fear into all the enemy camps around, and then he'd go out discreetly and just strangle people in the middle of the night in their beds. Yeah. And he was like the fucking boogeyman to these people. Yeah. But uh, during one of these sorties that he did on his own, unfortunately, he died and his body was frozen in place, standing upright. Yeah. And after this <laughs> heroic downfall, um, the Hornburg became known as Helm's Deep. Um, we've got a little excerpt here from the Lord of the Rings Appendix A, Annals of the Kings and Rulers, to support this. The Rohirrim were defeated and their land was overrun. And those who were not slain or enslaved fled to the dales of the mountains. 
Helm was driven back with great loss from the crossings of Eisen and took refuge in the Hornburg and the ravine behind. There he was besieged, and soon afterwards the long winter began, and Rohan lay under snow for nearly five months, November to March. Both the Rohirrim and their foes suffered grievously in the cold and in the dearth that lasted longer. In Helm's Deep there was a great hunger after Yule, and being in despair against the king's council, Hama, his younger son, led men out on a sortie and foray, but they were lost in the snow. Damn. Brutal winters, guys. This is a brutal, brutal winter. And after the winter, the melted snow caused crazy floods, and the Entwash became essentially a, a large flooded marsh for a long time. Oh, yeah. We know about floods here, too. Oh, yeah. Remember before the Army Corps did their thing down in the early 2000s and at Harriet Island? Remember it used to flood all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was fun to see that area flooded from above, though. Yeah. Well, probably the best example from this region would probably be the Red River. The Red River floods all the time. Every year, man. I remember when it, back in like 96 or 97 when I was in kindergarten, Grand Forks got destroyed. Remember? Oh, really? I and, don't uh, Yeah, there were some kids that actually came down and were in our class. They were like refugees from the flood. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, Red River floods violently all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for those of you that don't Red know, River of the North, uh, not the one in Texas or whatever. Right. Yeah. No, we're talking about the Red River that's up in like uh, Fargo. Yeah, flows uh, Fargo, al- North Dakota, along on the border, the border with Minnesota. Yeah, and then goes like up to like Winnipeg and shit. I think. Yeah, that that uh, river floods every year, and it's a huge problem. Oh yeah. You know, guys, I got to say something about this quote. So we're saying uh, Hornburg becomes known as Helm's Deep. Yes. Right. So it's interesting because it states that uh, Helm took refuge in Hornburg, but then they just name drop Helm's Deep. Yeah, it's probably because it's told from like later on. It's like told from a historical. Yeah, so this is from the appendix. So this is kind of like additional information. So it kind of assumes you already know that the Hornburg becomes known as Helm's Deep. So Helm's Deep is named after King Helm? Yes. Yep. Yep. Helm Hammerhan. It was originally called the Hornburg, and then after all these series of events that happened with Helm, they're like, no, this is now Helm's this is Helm's Deep. If you'll remember from the movie, they say, let the horn of Helm Hammerhan sound in the deep one last time. Mmm. I like it. Okay. Yeah. The uh, Helm's Deep. It's got a it's got an interesting history. Yeah. It, it was originally built by the Numenorians, wasn't it? Yes. It was, and if if you want to hear more about all that stuff that we were just r- rambling about, check out our Rohan series. Um, there's a bunch of Rohan-related episodes from last season, starting with episode 62, going all the way through episode 67, and they all have a whole bunch to do with Rohan. Yeah, we have uh, the episode 62, which is like the history of the kingdom. Then we've got like the Heroes of the Rittermark series. Mm-hmm. kind of like Unsung Heroes Rohan edition. They get their own Lesser Known Battles episode. Lesser Known Battles. Yeah. Then we did uh, King Theoden. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, it was honestly Grim, yeah. Grim uh, the Rohan series that we did was fucking kind of, ruled. I loved it. It was an unexpected gem. We fucking loved it. We had a great it. time doing it and we were very proud of it. So go check it out. Go check it out, guys. So uh, now that we've done talking about Rohan, let's also talk about Gondor a little bit. So yeah, although the long winter did not directly affect Gondor, it did have an indirect effect of fucking them over. Yeah, so in the year 2758 of the Third Age, 
Three fleets of Corsair ships began to assault the coasts of Gondor as far north as the River Aizen, and due to the dual perils of the Long Winter and their current war with the Dunlendings, the Rohirrim were a bit held up and they could not help out Gondor this time. So Gondor, which sucks because Gondor can't help them either. Right? Yeah, they're both they're both kind of in, in a rock between a rock and a hard place. So yeah, Gondor because normally this would be cleared up very easily. Right. That's why they like, have this whole team up. Situation. Yeah. One would you know you send your homies to the other country, clear it up, and then you party and then come home. You know, but like that's not how it's going to work in this time. This Every, everyone is suffering during this winter. So. Gondor, with these uh, Corsairs invading, they suffered great losses, but they were eventually able to repel the Corsairs and send some aid to Rohan. Yeah, it seems like they got kind of lucky, though. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, uh, yeah. this, this whole time, uh, Sauron wasn't hiding in Dolgadur, uh, searching Middle-earth for the One Ring, so they didn't have to worry about being attacked from Mordor. It's true. If they also had to worry about Sauron in Mordor during this 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 season this winter season they yeah. probably would have been fucked oh totally oh yeah that's like a two front war for one side with the winter basically making it three yeah right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so they, they are actually very lucky that sauron was not active during that time yeah and for more on this guys see our gondor episode episode 24 that's part of the kingdoms of the dunedain series part three of three gondor hell yeah another series that we're very proud of yeah kings of the dunedain are really good so uh, while we're talking about the long winter, let's also talk about the Shire. We'd be remiss yeah. not to talk about the Shire. So let's get into it. In the Shire, the long winter resulted in the deaths of many thousands of hobbits. Star- sorry to start off on that note, but thousands of dead hobbits. Thousands of dead hobbits, guys. It happened. I can't even imagine just thousands of dead hobbits. Imagine how small. <laughs> just starve, starved and frozen. Yeah. Like, I can't. fucked up, dude. Imagine how small those mass graves were. They might oh, have been regular sized. Oh. They might have been regular sized graves. Teeny tiny mass graves. <laughs> that's terrible. The poor hobbitses. Oh. I'm sorry. That, that's not a good joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's disrespectful. That's I'm dis- sorry. Dis- dis- that was disrespectful. <laughs> Plagues are not a joke. We know that now. It sucks. We've actually been to a mass grave. It's uh, a weird it's thing true. to there, see. There is it's... a mass grave in Minnesota from a great fire. The, the... Great Hinkley Fire of 1894. Yeah, we took... Uh, we've all... All three of us have been there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's something else, man. Every time I go through Hinkley, I always go to the person I'm with that's never been there. I go, you want to see a mass grave? And then they're like, what the fuck? And it's like two blocks from the Hardee's, you know? So yeah. it's like, yeah. Uh, actually, you know what? We've honestly, we're probably, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably heard us talk about the Hinkley fire before. We oh yeah. We're nerds for it. Yeah. It's one of our, uh, our like nerd one subjects. of our like dark tourist subjects that yeah. we love. We love disasters in general, but that fire in general, we really love for uh, for whatever reason because uh, danny you had told me all about this fire and how fast it was moving and how, yeah. how deadly it was immediately of course i was like oh tolkien oh oh rings of power kind of did that didn't they with the with that pyroclastic flow oh sure yeah a wall of uh of death and fire that coming sh- towards that, you that should have melted people yeah <laughs> yeah i suppose the firestorm was kind of similar to a pyroclastic flow yeah the way it was moving that's mm-hmm. pretty crazy yeah. okay so the, the Shire during the long winter, yes. thousands of hobbits died. This is, yeah, thousands of dead hobbits. And the they were aided by Gandalf the wizard. Um, he, he came to aid the hobbits uh, because of a terrible famine that followed the long winter. And they called this the Days of Dearth. Yeah. And this lasted into Third Age 2760. Is dearth definable as something? A, a scarcity or lack of something. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah, dearth. So a time of lack. I like I like the word need. A time of need. So the long winter also had an indirect effect on the history of the Shire and Middle Earth because it was during the long winter that Gandalf first became fond of hobbits and their affairs which indirectly led to Gandalf's selection of Bilbo Baggins to go on the quest of Erebor and then so fa- so on and so forth in the whole chain reaction into the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's it's weird how that happens, huh? Yeah, so we have a uh, excerpt here about this from the Unfinished Tales, Chapter 3, The Quest of Erebor. And then there was the Shire folk. I began to have a warm place in my heart for them in the long winter, which none of you can remember. They were very hard put to it then. One of the worst pinches they have ever been in, dying of cold and starving in the dreadful dearth that followed. But that was the time to see their courage and their pity for one another. It was by their pity as much as their tough, uncomplaining courage that they survived. I wanted them to survive. Yeah, so Gandalf starting to become fond of hobbits. Yeah, and that's kind of where he sets up his. I uh, like he like we said he's the wandering wizard, mm-hmm. so he doesn't have a home, but he spends a lot of time in the Shire. That's a place that he yeah. tends to wander back to. Wander back to see that's the key. Uh-huh. He wanders back. He may wander off to Gondor, or Mirkwood, or Lonely Mountain, but he wanders back to the Shire. Yeah, yeah, good, good handful of times. Mm-hmm. I, I can't help but wonder if this is sort of where Gandalf. Uh, it's like where he's spreading his seeds into the hobbits for the future to come, right? Well, I think he more saw in them something extraordinary in this time period. Well, right. Well, right. But like, if he hadn't, um, if he hadn't been there to help them at this point in time, like, uh, of course, you know, I don't think the chain of events would have happened. It's kind of cool. This is sort of his, uh, that's true. His origin where he, where the hobbits, I guess, planted their seed in, in him. It's true. I suppose. Yeah. And, they imprinted into the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. They imprinted on him. They imprinted on each other. Oh, was meant to be honestly gandalf and hobbits they kind of were meant to be oh yeah totally so let's get into this third fell winter and this is the what they call the thir- the fell winter of the third age 2911 and this is like what 200 ish years later mm-hmm. yeah almost almost uh so this is also another winter that was extremely long and extremely cold and by extremely long we mean once again from november to march so our normal winter yeah five months not bad yeah they got off lucky so during this time sauron was not able to launch any attacks once again luckily for everyone involved as the recent war of the dwarves and orcs had uh, of a century earlier had eliminated most of the orc population in the north and the haradrim had also taken a pretty big defeat back in uh, the year 2885 so there wasn't really anyone around for sauron to use to attack during this fell winter Mm-hmm. during the later part of the third age um if you want more information about that fucking crazy war of the dwarves and orcs because that's a wild fact go back to episode 30 kazad the dwarves the dwarves so this winter was at least less harsh than the long winter sounds like the long winter was the big bad that was the big bad uh, the snow and ice stopped in Eriador at the Greyflood river and in wilderland in the middle of murkwood not too bad not too bad yeah not as much freezing over of all the rivers at least right right yeah so nevertheless though there were still some severe problems even though it wasn't as bad uh food ran short hobbits of the shire were attacked by white wolves which crossed the frozen brandywine river yeah Yeah. not cool yeah river for that at least that river froze over and that allowed the white wolves to cross the river into the shire and they attacked and we've got a excerpt here from the fellowship of the ring 
Uh, Book two, chapter three, The Ring Goes South. A heavy snowfall was rare in the Shire and was regarded as a pleasant event and a chance for fun. No living hobbit, save Bilbo, could remember the fell winter of 1311 when the white wolves invaded the Shire over the frozen Brandywine. Yeah, and for those of you paying attention, you may have noticed that year, 1311, and been like, what? what? You said a totally different year. We did. We said the year yeah. 2911 because... That's Shire Reckoning, That's right? uh, 1311 in Shire Reckoning. Shire Reckoning, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was wondering that for a second myself. Yeah, at first I was like, oh, a typo. And then I was like, nope, Shire Reckoning. Uh, so on this occasion, uh, this is when the horn call of Buckland was known to have been sounded. And after this event in the fell winter... Uh, it was not heard again until the Black Riders invaded Buckland in the year 3018 during the events of The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. We get to hear uh, in this next excerpt here, uh, we got from Fellowship of the Ring, A Knife in the Dark. Uh, we get to hear from Fatty Bulger, one of our favorite uh, shafted characters. Shafted. When Fatty Bulger reached the nearest house, more than a mile away, he collapsed on the doorstep. No, no. No, he was crying. No, not me. I haven't got it. It was some time before anyone could make out what he was babbling about. At last, they got the idea that enemies were in Buckland, some strange invasion from the old forest. And then they lost no more time. Fear! Fire! Foes! The Brandy Bucks were blowing the horn call of Buckland that had not been sounded for a hundred years, not since the white wolves came in the fell winter, when the brandywine was frozen over. Awake! Awake! Far away, answering horns were heard. The alarm was spreading. All about Crick Hollow there was the sound of horns blowing and voices crying and feet running. But the black riders rode like a gale to the north gate. Let the little people blow. Sauron would deal with them later. They rode down the guards at the gate and vanished from the shire. I love that part so much. So cool. I mean, Fatty really, I mean, he kills it here. He does. Yeah. He, he really fucking, he does his job and he stays alive. Yeah. They he, pull one over on the ring wraiths and trick him yeah. and he gets to live. Mm-hmm. That's not many people can say that. And he also just like kind of fucks up their uh, their timing, right? Mm-hmm. The, the of the of the ring wraiths kind of delays them a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he tricks them into thinking that Frodo is there. Delays mm-hmm. them. It's great. He's a, he's a hell of a good character. Is Fatty Bulger on the shafted shirt? He is, right? I do believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah he is. Check out that shafted shirt. Shafted. Fatty Bulger. Shafted. So Gandalf and the Rangers of the North actually had to provide food to the hobbits during this time to prevent them from dying of hunger. And I talked about this earlier with Joel as we were going over the outline. How the fuck... Did the hobbits forget <laughs> who the rangers of the north were when they saved their ass like less than a hundred years ago? It's true. It is kind of a weird thing to think about. They remember the long winter. Yeah. And they remember when the brandywine froze over during the fell winter and the white wolves came. But they don't remember when the seven but... foot tall monsters came in to give them food. And help them yeah. not starve to death. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just, you know. Something to think about. Yeah, remember, you know, just credit where credit's due. You know what I mean? Remember them. They saved your ass. Shafting of the Dunedine. It it does even especially seem weird considering they're saying that Bilbo would have remembered this time. Like of of all the people who should remember tall strangers. Yeah. Like Bilbo would remember these Numenorean motherfuckers coming in here. Yeah. And and providing for them. Yeah. Maybe he just didn't say anything about it. Maybe he does remember. I don't know. 
<laughs> Not important enough? I don't know. Either way. <laughs> Either way. So uh, in March is when the winter finally let up, but that ended in some great floods and the meltwater rushed down the Grey Flood and the city of Tharbad was ruined and its bridge was broken in all the flooding. Yeah. Tharbad was one of the great cities of the North Kingdom. Arnor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, it got destroyed by all of this flooding from this fell winter. That's pretty crazy. That's a lot of snow. And also the people of the Enidwaith and the Minhiraith. Did I say that right? I think so. Minhiraith? Minhiraith, yeah. Edenwaith and Minhiraith. They were also devastated by great floods in their areas too from all the melted snow. Are yeah. these are these places? Um, Those are places. Those are regions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Those are cool names. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so great flood. That's another thing to keep in mind. It's it's kind of like the tsunami after the earthquake type of deal. Mm-hmm. After these bad winters, we always get really bad floods. Mm-hmm. Floods, floods, floods. Can you imagine how much snow they'd have to have to have meltwater destroy a city? Yeah, that's crazy. The river must have been really going. Like, yeah, I mean, or the river was just like never that violent. You know what I mean? So they built shit like right on top of it. I'm oh, assuming sure. that's what like... Took the bridge with it. Yeah, mm. and it just took everything with it when it came that down. That could be. Yeah. That could be. Well, that is about everything we've got for you today, guys, about the fell winters of Middle-earth. So, again, we talked about the fell winter of the first age in the year 495, and then there was the classic long winter in the third age of 2758, and then we touched on the uh, the fell winter that also happened in the third age a little bit later in 2911. Yeah, and these fell winters are no joke, friends. They really suck. Yeah, death, misery... They can bring about some serious famine, and it's just not good for everyone involved. It's got to be like the whole year of problems, right? Because you got what five months of winter, right? And then you've got and then the dearth, the dearth yeah, afterwards. Well, yeah. Especially after the long winter, there was that dearth that lasted like another year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. And not to mention like a war happening while this is all right. happening. Right, Rohan was dealing yep. with war. Oh, mm-hmm. King Helm. The story of Helm Hammerhand and everything that happens in the Hornburg during the winter—that's being made into that anime movie. Yeah, dude. I'm so excited for the War of the Rohirrim. I can't wait. That sounds pretty cool. It, sh- it It's very appropriate that they made it an anime because it should be metal as fuck. Yeah, it should. This dude beating people to death with his bare hands. Bare the hands. dude named King Helm. I would hope so. <laughs> Helm Hammerhand is his name, dog. Do you know why yeah. he's called Hammerhand? Because one time somebody asked to marry his daughter and he didn't like Demanded, it. Demanded, rather. Demanded. And he didn't like it, so he killed them by punching them in, the in, in one punch. He must be a big dude. He killed them with one punch. Yeah, the Rohirrim one are punch. pretty big. The Rohirrim are big guys, yeah. Yeah, one punch, dude. Yeah. yeah he's King One Punch Man. Laid him yeah. out. It said, <laughs> I don't, and what's funny is, like, he didn't die right away either. He died, like, later on, the guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, he <laughs> yeah. died later of his. He had some time to think about it, yeah. You get that death concussion. He had yeah. time to think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and also, uh, previously to this episode, I didn't know that there were three fell winters in Middle-earth. I had only known about the long winter. Yeah, because we started uh, uh, talking about the long winter for the Rohan episode, Mm -hmm. and then we were like, oh, let's do a whole episode on that. Yeah, that'd be cool. And then Joel comes to me and is like, you know, there's like three of these crazy-ass winters. We could talk about all of them. Hell yeah, yeah. So that's another reason why we love doing this, this podcast, these episodes, because we learn stuff like this all the time. Wild shit. Every episode we learn something new. It's amazing. I thought I knew a lot about Tolkien when I started this podcast. Oh, what a fool I was. We quickly learned that uh, anyone who knows anything about Tolkien knows enough to know that nobody knows everything. Nobody knows exactly, yep. 
I really enjoy that uh, having to talk through winters, we also got to learn about the seasons and how mathematically oh, yeah. equal they are. <laughs> yeah, I really loved the elven seasons. Yeah, the, the elvish six seasons, uh, the yeah. border six seasons. Yeah. yeah, I loved the fading and the stirring. Those are still, I'm going to, honestly, I'm going to start referring to brown it, spring as the stirring. In real life. Yeah. In real yeah, life, yeah. And like the late autumn, early winter as the, the fading. It's yeah. So, it feels so appropriate. I love it. Totally. Well, that's it for uh, uh, us talking about winter. By the time this comes out, hopefully winter will be on its way out for your the most most uh, of you guys. It'll it'll for us, still, it'll be, still be here. It'll still be winter. It's good. It'll be it'll be March for for everybody. So it'll still be winter here, probably unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, we hope this uh, helps you get through that winter a little better. Just remember, you know, it's not the long winter. We're not dying of famine or anything. Yeah. Hopefully you're not. I don't know where you're listening to this, but hopefully you're not dying of famine. Your town is not being invaded by giant white wolves or anything. Yeah. That would suck, wouldn't it? Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. I'd like to see Trevor fight a white wolf bare hands. Bare hands? Like with with, with actual bare hands? Because maybe I stand a chance. With actual bare hands? (laughs) Yeah. Just bare hands. Completely (laughs) naked, but he has bare hands. With bare hands, yeah. (laughs) Those are, they're not bad weapons. So like an episode of Naked and Alone, just out in the wilderness? Naked and Afraid. (laughs) Although I suppose (laughs) if he only had bare hands, but not bare arms, he wouldn't be able to wield those giant hands. He'd just be like walking around with like... Just dragging on the ground. Dragging his hand. Not good. <laughs> Not good, friend. Not good. Okay, that's all we got for you today, guys. Thanks for listening to KOT Podcast. Yeah, and tune in next week for a fun special episode, Mysteries in Tolkien. Episode 77, Mysteries. That's, that's an episode we've been talking about for a very long time. There are a lot of unexplained characters and things in Tolkien. We're going we're gonna to talk about We're going to talk about some of them. I'm excited to find out things I never knew. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you to our patrons. Uh, if you want to become a patron, go check us out on Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com forward slash KOT podcast. And donating to the Patreon just helps us continue bringing great content to you at the same level of quality. And subscribing can also unlock some exclusive content. Um, there's uh, some a, de- uh, a level of content on there right now. We're planning yeah. on putting more up as well. We always announce on the Discord when we throw more up there. So, yeah, you know. stay tuned. And uh, private one-time donations are also something that we do. Uh, if you're not into a subscription service like Patreon, that's okay. Uh, we also have other services we can use for one-time donations. Just contact us on whatever your favorite social media is. Yeah. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Just check us out there at Keep On Tolkien Podcast. Stay up to date with our new episodes. And while you're there, don't forget to give us a rating and a review. Follow us on social media. Join our Discord server, which is hopping. We love our Discord server. Link Um, in the description. Link in the description of this episode and hopefully all other episodes. Um, Follow us on Twitter at KOT Podcast. Provided Twitter still exists. Yeah, that, that's kind of up in the air nowadays. <laughs> if Elon hasn't had his way, we'll see you on Twitter. <laughs> Follow us also on Facebook at facebook.com slash official keep on Tolkien. And be sure to join that KOT talk group there to ask us questions and discuss with other listeners. Yeah, and check us out on Instagram as well at keep on Tolkien podcast. Oh, and also don't forget to check out that merch store. Yeah, get that. Pick up that uh, Trevor Vin- Trevor Mint shafted T-shirt. Hell yeah! Original designs. Yeah. Gosh, guys, we are everywhere, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We mm. are on everything. You can't get away from us. Can't get away. Uh, yeah, no, no choice but to give in, guys. Come on. Exactly. Well, that's all we got for you today, guys. I'm Danny J. 
I'm Joel N. I'm Trevor D. And we are Keep on Tolkien. Au revoir.